Hey everyone, welcome to episode 16 of Layout. Uh, today we are going to talk about how to work and collaborate with developers. We don't have follow-up, but oh, Sketch uh, has a new update. Hey, I, I feel like we're the official <laughs> podcast for design tools. It's kind <laughs> maybe, of our duty to mention it. Yeah we, yeah, we can't not mention it. Yeah. You want to round this up, like sum this up? What yeah. happened? Um, so Sketch 3.7, it's out uh, in beta version right now. Um, you can download it. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes. And basically, it's one of the best releases ever of Sketch. Um, it um, basically rethinks uh, the whole concept of uh, symbols um, and does them properly. I don't know if you remember, but we talked about this a couple episodes ago, how um, symbols in Sketch used to be terrible. I would I would always basically uh, have like all my symbols uh, be set up Basically, you could create your symbol, but you couldn't modify it in any way. Um, so unless you had something that was very specific and that didn't never changed, you uh, couldn't use symbols. So now what they've done in Sketch 3.7 is uh, they have what they call Sketch uh, Symbol Overrides. Um, so you can create your symbol the way you want. So let's say you're making a Twitter app and you have a stream. Well, you could uh, create a symbol for each uh, tweet. Um, so you'd have like the uh, image, the um, name, the tweet, the time, the, the date, um, and have all of that as part of your symbol. And then once you duplicate that, you have on in your sidebar on the right, you'd have overrides. So you can change the text, you can change the user image, and basically have different tweets with different users and different text and all keep the same symbol. And now once you change the master symbol, it would update all of these instances, um, even though they have different content. Was that like a yeah, correct that's, approximation that's, of what it is? I'm really bad at summarizing stuff. No, uh, that's, that, that was fine. That was good. <laughs> uh. They also made uh, changes to shared styles. Um, I used to when I tried it at tried them at first. It, I would try to use the shared styles, and then when I wanted to try some sort of variation, I would like by accident change everything, and realize yeah. way too late that oh god, I just like destroyed everything I I did in my previous mock in my pre previous artboards. Um, what really pissed me off with the, with with that little thing was. I don't know if this was just me or tell me if you had this as well. <laughs> this weird bug, which is, so you have just a, a text block. So let's call that A yeah. and you create a textile out of it mm -hmm. and then you duplicate A mm -hmm. and you have B, right? Yeah. And you change B and then because it's a shared style, A will, will, you know, change as well. Yeah. And then you, <laughs> you're like, oh shit, I changed everything. You hit undo and B would, you know, revert back, but A wouldn't. Yeah. Does this, well, Did this, this ever happen to you? Like sketch undo isn't that great. Like I try to use yeah, it's it pretty terrible. The the least possible because it always screws up. And there's kind of a weird limit 
like, I, f I feel like sometimes I just reach a point where there's no undoes anymore. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too bad. Yeah, they have to have a limit, like a memory limit or something. Sure, but the limit but is like five. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I don't think it's that bad. But <laughs> yeah, so the thing with share styles now is if you create another version of a share style and you make some changes, all of the previous... Uh, share styles are they are not going to change automatically you if you want them to there's a new uh, like sync refresh button if you click that uh, then all of the instances of that style will you know um they will apply the change to those but um it's pretty cool like last thing i did was i was designing the case study for a break to safe and it was basically just like writing a blog post so a bunch of text mm. And then in this one text block, I wanted to uh, make it bold, right? Yeah. And that, all of those are still in the same, sh sharing the same text style. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, you can make these l tiny little changes and you don't have to worry about all of the previous content that you've, you've created. Like that's not going to be touched. So that's, unless you want to, of course. Yeah. So, that's, that's so cool. you have a sync button. So now every time right. you make a change, if you want it to sync back across all the other instances, you just hit that little sync icon and it updates everything, uh, which is great. And how it should have worked from the very beginning. Um, yeah. yeah, I think this is the best release of Sketch since uh, Sketch 3. Yeah. Which was like two, three years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's in beta there. You know, it's a beta. It's a bit of software, so there are bugs, and I've found a few. So don't use it. Yeah, and maybe it's not just bugs. Like Sketch tends to not want to uh, open files with um, that have been created with newer versions. Mm. So if you collaborate with a lot of people, um, it's not everyone that might want to. Oh be yeah, yeah, yeah. Beta. So try to use the current release version and only use the beta to play with it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hopefully it'll come out soon. They fix now uh, in this release as well. Like if you open a sketch file and you don't have the fonts, you know the the classic lead box oh, like yes. oh you need these fonts. Yeah. And if you click open anyways, it would revert the fonts to the system default. Mm -hmm. So now it doesn't do like it keeps those fonts. So if you don't have the fonts, like you, of course you you you're not gonna see them. But like if you save the file and someone else open it, uh, it keeps the 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 fonts mm -hmm. the the original ones. So that's oh, that's so good. Yeah, lots of like not necessarily big changes, but like really impactful changes that is gonna mm -hmm. make our workflows better. Have you tried the Adobe XD? No, it's... no, because I have to install Creative Cloud. I really don't want to. <laughs> Same here. I haven't installed it on my computer, uh, but a coworker of mine did, so I got to play with it a little bit. It's not that great. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm I'm. What's fine the with state of it? Is like beta? Is it alpha? Yeah, it's, it's What's beta? Do they have a release date? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think they should. Honestly, people never pronounce ship dates. So again, for the main topic today, uh, this was a question asked by a listener of the show. Uh, his name is Johnny Heim or Heim. Uh, he reached out to us on Twitter, uh, and he asks. How do we work and collaborate uh, with engineers? And how do we make sure our designs and expectations are followed through? So this was a great question uh, raised by Johnny. 
uh, it's a like one of those eternal questions. Like <laughs> I think almost every company kind of struggles with this, right? There are a lot of different processes, a lot of workflows that work and methodologies and all, but it's not a linear problem. Like it's, there's no one single answer. So yeah. And I don't think no one's got it figured out anyways. Yeah. It's and always I like don't think we ever will. <laughs> right. It's like, it's it, how do we deal with, uh, two different uh, types of people with very different like a nature in a way the way they think and the way they work how do we work together mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah it's it's a um, it, it's hard and it's a complex problem to solve so we're not gonna <laughs> tell you how to solve this but um we had some some experience with this and we kind of just want to start a discussion and how do we feel about it uh so offer some tips that maybe have worked for us and um, and most importantly, like, why is this a problem? So just to kick this out, uh, we kind of divided this discussion into different topics, right? So we're going to start by talking about um, to what the problem is. And I kind of already spoiled it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> then we kind of divided. So we're going to talk about the kickoff, like when the project begins. Then what should we do while we are designing, which usually comes before the development starts um then the handoff which is where usually things end for developers uh i mean for designers i mean um so how can we hand off our designs to the development team and then while the product is being developed right so that's the discussion does that sound good to you yep perfect it's like it's basically the different stages of of a project so the the problem here I think the the problem is it's noticed when products don't end up like the mockups, right? And that's classic. Right. Like, oh, like the clients say, you know what? This looks so pretty in the mockups. This looks nothing like it, and things are lost in the process. Again, you start designing something, and then at the end, it has nothing. Like it doesn't even you can't even recognize your work. That happens more often than it should, really. Mm. Um, and in the end, no one's happy. You're not happy, developers are not happy because people are mad at them and whatever. Clients are not happy or if you were like product company, customers are not happy, <laughs> right? No one's yeah. happy. This is a problem. Yeah, and it's it's kind of frustrating when you've put so many hours into something and to have it like kind of botched and like not look not quite right, but like it's still yours. And I feel like a lot of us take great pride in the work that we do. And so not ending up up being happy with the end result is kind of not great for creative people, right? Yeah. And the worst of it, the worst or the best, is like this can be avoidable. Like you you can avoid things. I I think it it all gets down to an open dialogue, conversations and, and being involved in every step of the way, which we're going to talk about. So maybe we can start at the kickoff, like when a project begins. And of course, every company is different. The way they work is uh, they work in different ways. But I feel that most of the companies, like the kickoff usually starts with designers. Like designers start a project. Um, and that's like right off the bat, you can change that. You can You can fix that. Yeah, I don't... I don't think that's necessarily the best way to start a project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I think if if you're starting a project, usually there's 
like regardless of what you're you're working on usually there's like technical constraints and there's a lot of things to figure out on the tech side as well um that mm-hmm. do end up having like a big impact on what your solution should be um so if you don't have developers that are looking at like this this challenge uh, really early on in the process you might end up at the end designing a solution that maybe doesn't even work right 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 so like having developers to that are going to be working with you and be there from the very beginning that sort of removes that uh big like surprise when you're you're like super proud with your design that's all done and now you show it to a developer and the developer's like uh yeah we can't do that <laughs> it's like uh <laughs> so and at this stage not only developers but like everyone who is going to have a say in a project so like it, it would be cool to know the budget like is this actually like do we have the resources do we have the time to tackle this um You start outlining what we are thinking, what's the best way to go, uh, what's the best technologies to use, stuff like that, right? What what can be done at this stage? Yeah, Just like data, start. research, right, uh, right, product right. managers, people that are going to make the decisions, like it can't even be the CEO. Like <laughs> You want everyone that has, a, like you said, like a, a stake in the project to be aware of where we're starting and where we want to go because basically no one likes surprises <laughs> you don't want to start a kickoff meeting having awesome ideas and then someone that has a say on the matter down the line says nope sorry i don't agree with that or i can't do that or whatever like you don't want your project to be interrupted or killed off sometimes because someone was not in the loop at the beginning so yeah and i mean who knows maybe Maybe a, a key stakeholder wasn't in the room and then it just ends up that you're trying to solve the wrong problem, right? Right. Like, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It happens more than <laughs> more than people want to admit. Actually. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm always for more collaboration, being more open and having like the, a more diverse set of people being involved from the very beginning of a project. I think that's always um, when you see projects that work really well is when everyone knows what's going on um, and everyone can sort of help each other out with their strengths. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that leads us to um, the design process. So once you kind of kick the the project off, um, you then go on and start designing. So I've been thinking about this process and it's usually like the where you're going to spend most of your time. Uh, and I feel that one thing that you really should do and it can, it can save a lot of trouble uh, is to ask a lot of questions to your developers. Like you are thinking, like maybe very early in the, in the process, you are thinking of a bunch of different alternatives to go. And... Ask developers like, hey, what do you think about doing this? Or what do you think about doing that? And right off the bat, you will get a, a sense of, you know, the, the, maybe the constraints that some thing that you were thinking might have. Uh, what are the technical limitations that you might have, right? Mm-hmm. Things that 
write like as much information as you can have like that's only good for you as a designer right right um and i think that's where like you want to gauge what what constraints do you want to challenge and which ones do you want to accept um mm -hmm. and i think that's where maybe having a little bit of um coding like knowledge helps of being like yeah i know this is maybe gonna add a bit more time but it's gonna have like such a big return that we should probably still like find a way to do it um yeah and because that can happen you can ask you can ask someone a developer like hey what do you think about this cool interaction it's like ah oh, no you can't do that but you can't like yeah <laughs> he's really just he doesn't want to go through the trouble like it's just hard right yeah so and i mean having some that of them also knowledge no right like yeah some stuff that we want to do like aren't necessarily the main thing that developers are used to to doing because a lot of times if we're talking about animations or interactions, they're kind of the things that people kind of put off often. Mm -hmm. often. Um, so it might be one of that, that case where your developer doesn't actually know and isn't that interested in reading about like animation easing and curves and stuff like that. Um, so sometimes giving them a little push there uh, <laughs> really helps. Yeah, and probably developers, developers like are gonna say, you know what? I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some research. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this. Let's let's find out if this is even possible, right? It's not like, nope, yes, no, no. Hmm. <laughs> it's not like a, a filter of just like ideas. Uh, like if they're good developers, maybe like I have no idea. I don't think you can do that, but let's find out hmm. and you do research. And I right? mean, you can also help with the research, right? You could be like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, I'm not sure Definitely. how all of this works, but I found like this cool article that seems to show how to do this this thing. Do you think like this would be possible for us? That's totally something you can do. Yeah, and should do. I mean, <laughs> we are both uh, big uh, supporters of. It's not supporters. But we both like to understand uh, code <laughs> in a way, yep. right? But it really helps. And if you don't, and if you really don't want to you you can just do the research like hey let's sell our app for uh 88 dollar uh, cents right 88 <laughs> cents and it's like because research and if i like it this is a better price and this is like not possible do some research to, mm -hmm. and ask people around because uh, you don't know everything yeah <laughs> and they're the ones who are going to build this so they probably know and I think this is one of the first things that I started to learn is like how to push back. Uh, but there's also an important part that is learning to accept some constraints mm -hmm. and learning to kind of trust your the engineers you're working with that some stuff is just not worth fighting for. And to me, like personally, if... If I can make a little tweak to my design, that's going to make it that much more uh, easier to develop. It's going to take us less time to be able to ship the feature and get it in the hands of people. And it's going to um, make it faster and uh, make like development easier. Then sure, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to make that compromise. So it, yeah, it kind of goes both ways. Like You have to be willing to give and be like, I trust you on this. If you tell me that it's really not a good way to a good path to go down, 
then let's let's figure something out. And that's also creativity is learning to use constraints to your advantage and sort of designing your way around them. That's a good one. And and a lot of good innovation comes from those constraints. Yeah. Like people trying to go around some problem that they have and they ended up finding a new solution that they haven't even thought about it before, right? Yep. So yeah, that was a good one. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing you should uh, keep in mind, and this is going to save you a lot of trouble uh, in the long run, is to consider edge cases, which is something that a lot of people just neglect. And I understand why. Uh, I do this all the time as well. Like I don't even think about it because it's something that is not in your mind, but that's edge cases, right? So those are stuff like uh, error states, um, <laughs> a very common one is uh, when you don't have internet connection, right? Yep. So when you're designing your mockup of your app, you really don't think about that. A um, couple more uh, empty states, right? You, you're designing a to-do list. What happens when you don't have any uh, to-do item? How does that look? Because that that's actually like where the product is going to begin, is that empty state, right? Right. <laughs> so right off the bat, <laughs> the developer doesn't have a mock. going to see. Yeah, the developer is not going to have a mock to start the design. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you're designing for web, a couple of things is like you, you have a mockup, but what about all the buttons? And maybe you are, you know, you are clever enough. So you design all the buttons with the normal in the hover state. But what about the active? What about the focus? Then all of the website is going to have the, that ugly blue... <laughs> shadow drop shadow <laughs> thing when it's on focus yeah. all those things that maybe you don't think about while you're designing those are like the little rock in your shoe you know that like <laughs> ah this is so good but this thing man yeah and the reason why is like you're um you're not you don't have to figure these thing out when you're designing but when you're actually developing something you have to answer all these questions. And I think that's when a lot of developers get a bit creative. <laughs> and they're like, well, I have, yeah. I have no error states, so I guess I'll do this. Um, and that's often where trouble arises. Um, so having like a plan in mind for all these things is always really good. Um, so that like you leave you want to leave nothing to the imagination right <laughs> yeah <laughs> like this is exactly how you need to do every little edge case um so but what that requires is for you to have like a really broad understanding of how your product is going to work and maybe um like that's what like research can help you with that um and just even maybe prototyping, would you say is a good one? Oh, like definitely. If, you, if definitely, you're trying yeah. to build like a flow and try a prototype on your phone that you're just doing maybe an Envision or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, or a Framer or something like that, just trying, seeing all the different steps, you're going to realize that, oh, well, if I do next step and there is nothing in the field, what should happen? Um, so it's all things to keep in mind. Yeah, and you have stuff like... You have, imagine that you're designing a checkout for, I don't know, an online thing. <laughs> and you have, 
and you have like the let's say like three circles that you can fill in in different steps and you design the three steps uh, what about the little bar on the top how does the circle fill in like the transitions between mm-hmm. between states right um yeah you design a button in the hover uh maybe you change the background color you darken a little bit but does it have a transition or just like instant like those things developers if it's not like they're bad people <laughs> it's, they they don't care like they don't even think about this stuff like if you give them this is the normal state this is the hover state they're going to write that this is the normal state this is the hover state and then you're yeah. going to use the product it's like oh man but this transition is so crappy can, can you put some css transition or whatever like of course you can and of course if you ask he probably will it's easy but you know it's another thing so they have it's 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 just another break in the flow like ah but now i need this ah, now i need this so th- yeah like like you said kevin like the 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 biggest number of questions you can answer right off the bat just do it it's it's going to make life easier for everyone yeah and having all that stuff up front is way better than coming back after the fact and being like uh now that everything's done like do you mind changing this little thing here oh and do you mind changing that little thing there it's way more productive if you have got all that figured out from the beginning yeah, and that sucks like even like for us uh that yeah. sucks for everyone i want to go back and have to change everything yeah and if someone's like constantly saying, okay now do this now can you do this now can you oh man it's like annoying and you start feeling like grumpy and you, <laughs> you're gonna just like do worse yeah it's like if if I'm designing my checkout experience and I have all my perfect layout and then someone tells me like, oh, uh, sorry, I forgot about like, these five extra fields that we need to add. I'm like, God right. damn it. Everything was perfect. <laughs> like, I don't want to go back and like mess with everything up again. <laughs> Same thing for developers. Oh, man, I'm going to record a soundbite of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything's recorded. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna make a soundboard on a website somewhere. Uh-oh. God damn it, that was perfect, man. <laughs> ah, story of my life. Okay, one last uh tip that I want I wanna share on, on this design process phase is it really helps if you kinda understand the basics of how the thing you're designing is gonna be built. Mm-hmm. So try to design with those things in mind. To give you an example, at the old agency that I worked at, um, most of the projects were built with Bootstrap or Foundation, uh, usually Bootstrap. Um, so it was like a life-changing thing for developers when designers started um, designing uh, most of their websites like with the grid, the Bootstrap grid, right? So you have the 12 um, columns, uh with with the, the spacing like bootstrap right so we could share the the mockups with the grid overlaid and then knew okay so this block is uh, three columns and this is a blah 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 right yeah. so that really ha- like that really helped the transition like developers knew that we we are designing like they are building it like we have the same grid system right and that's just for the grid just one tiny example but stuff like that like right, right. I think speaking of uh, of grids, um, Bryn uh, Jackson wrote uh, a great article on um, using uh, eight point grids in your design. 
And it's a bit of a similar approach to what you're saying, where you were basing yourself on like a known grid that developers were going to use. Uh, but if you're using another system or like not using some sort of framework for your front end, um, using like a specific uh, grid when you're designing. So in that case, uh, eight points. So um, that means every, like all your spacing could be either 8, 16, 32. Um, so it's all fixed increments. That's a lot mm. easier to calculate, right? Like you can almost even see it when you're looking at a mock-up. You can see, oh, that's, uh, is that 8? Oh, no, that's 16. It's, it's larger than the other one. Um, so it, makes, it just makes people's lives way easier. Um, and it's like you don't have to calculate anything. I've heard about this, but I never read this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. Cool. Yeah, we're gonna put it in the show notes. So next up is handoff. So how do you usually like deliver mockups to developers? So this is the thing that is, it changes the most uh, depending on who am I working with. So like again, at back at the agency with like the, uh, delivering to bunch of the, uh, like developers, it's not usually just one. So it's more more like a formal process, right? Right. Um, so I tried Envision, uh, which is pretty great uh, because it has not only the the prototype thing where you can you know link um, mockups together, mm. but you have the annotations. So people can click on like a, a specific area of the mockup and leave a comment, and you can uh, you have like revisions, right? So you can update yep. the mockups and all. And that's not really like the final deliver, but it's the handoff process, like the handoff fades. Like, here's the things. Uh, someone has a question about this. The developer asks, okay, what about this button? Is this clickable or whatever? Um, stuff like that. Uh, Envision was pretty, pretty great. Um, you can even link screens together. Like, when you click on that button, then you go to this page. And if you click on the X, you go back and stuff like that. Yeah, it makes everything more clear how it's... The, the flow of your page, right? There you go. Uh, well, of course, I I use the classic uh, export to PNG PDF. Mm -hmm. uh, send them their way, and that's gonna be it. Uh, if you are designing like, well, I guess for everything like web or iOS or Android, export all of the assets like and create something very neatly, um, like properly named and easy to figure it out, like. The developers are like asking, "Oh, where's that icon of blah blah? blah. Oh, how, how? What's the, the X value of this color? Right? So stuff like that. Yeah, it's I cool do to tend to want to export my stuff myself. If I have icons or logos and stuff like that, I'll export them myself. Even if they they have access to the sketch file, it's like I'll I will do happily do all of that for you to make sure you have the right assets at the right size. Yeah, that's the, that, that's what I mean. Um, yeah. Export everything and name everything correctly. So. Uh, everything is clear. <laughs> uh, another very popular now uh, one is it's a service or an app called uh, Zeppelin, mm -hmm. right? Have, yeah. you, have you checked this out? Uh, yeah, I tried it briefly. Um, I don't tend to use it that much because mm -hmm. um, I I just collaborate really closely with front end developers I work with. So um, in my case, they didn't need it as much, but. It right. looks very useful, especially if you're working with like a remote team. So Zeppelin, yeah, I used it when I on all my past freelance gigs. 
because because I, I wasn't in direct contact with the developers mm-hmm. that wasn't an open line of conversation it was like here's my work now it's <laughs> and your you're turn. like crossing your fingers <laughs> <laughs> hoping that they're gonna do it correctly kind of yeah 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 crossing all the fingers that i had uh, <laughs> So that it was like, okay, here are all the assets, exported everything, here are all the PNGs, and on PDF if you want. Um, and then uploaded everything to Zeppelin, which they have all of the, like it's not style guide, but it's almost like, like you can. So Zeppelin, for people that don't know, Zeppelin is a, a website um, that you can sync your sketch file. Uh, do they have a Photoshop plugin? I don't know. Who I, I think Photoshop? it's just a sketch. Yeah, what's a fo- anyway? So you 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 upload your designs uh, with this sketch plugin, and then it's going to create this uh, very neat gallery online on Zeppelin.io. I think we're going to put a link in the notes. Anyway. Yep, Zeppelin.io. So then uh, developers and well, whoever you want to share it with can have access to all of the all of all of their mockups on the browser and. It can uh, um, download all of the assets as well. So you can just like, and it's not a PNG, it's like clickable interactive mockup. So you can, just like in Sketch, you can um, get all the uh, distances between uh, objects and the, the width and height of everything, right? All of the, like if this is a text block, you can see the font, you can see the weight, you can see the, the color, opacity, all of that. So it's, it creates this like style guide um, for, your, for your sketch file, basically. It's pretty cool. Uh, and also has comments and stuff like Envision, some of the features that Envision offers as well. Mm. So, yeah, in those scenarios where I don't, I'm not going to have an open line of conversation. I'm not going to sit right next to the developer and, you know, answer any question that he might have. So in that scenario, Zeppelin was a lifesaver um, because I just synced every screen, every artboard that I had. Um, I trust Zeppelin that it's going to do all of his magic. And then I... <laughs> I create a new project on Zeppelin, share it uh, with the um, with the the team. They can invite whatever, and uh, that's it. And that was I never had a complaint, so I guess it works pretty <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Did the outcome uh, turn out well? Or to be honest, I don't think they're live yet. Okay. I haven't checked. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. That's that's a good question. We can do some follow up. <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> they so get all the colors wrong. I told you about Zeppelin. <laughs> Doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Use it at your own risk. Um. <laughs> but it's way better than nothing. Um. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, even at, at the agency company, like, the cool thing about Sketch is you can open a Sketch file and then click on an element and see the distances and stuff like that. That's, that's gold when you're designing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're. Uh, coding the designs that's awesome so it was before zeppelin so we're not using zeppelin uh i I don't think it existed yet so we even shared some sketch files so the developer could not change it right but he could open the sketch file and then check all of that like huh what's the width and height of this icon just click on it and and check it out so that's that's pretty pretty cool a pretty cool tool yep because if you just deliver a png (laughs) No, that, that's, that's just the worst. Do you mm-hmm. do you name your layers really well? Yes. <laughs> that's something I have to make an effort to do. I'm so but, uh, bad to be, at naming layers. To be fair, it's not like I'm naming them perfectly as I go. It's right. more like 
okay, I just finished this three uh, artworks, three screens. And then, like, before I close the shop, I'm going to go back and just group everything in a way mm -hmm. that makes sense and name them properly. Yeah. Cool. Even if it's just for the fact that, like, when you click export and then <laughs> the name of the file is going to be group 43. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So name your layers. Well, um, do you say ping? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who says ping? Oh, in prototypes, uh, we you mentioned prototypes briefly. Yeah, this is this is pretty cool uh, as well. It it alleviates a lot of headaches. Like you know, the developer can actually see something working, quote unquote, working, right? <laughs> Has yeah. a feel for it. So that definitely helps, especially if you if you want to design interaction or transition. Yeah, <laughs> sure, that's the best way. Especially if you can, in some way. Um, like share some stats like instead of just sharing a framer link or whatever or a video if you could say you know what this spring animation that you just saw it has these values for attention mm -hmm. and for stuff like that right um so uh, i think the 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 theme of this discussion is dialogue like yeah as much information as you can share it's just yeah. gonna make everything better you know sometimes a prototype is worth a thousand words <laughs> it's like if you well if you can show something really well like how it works it it means you don't have to spend as much time explaining it uh which could be good yeah, sometimes yeah or instead of prototype you can use the lamer whatever <laughs> sorry it would no it was gonna be a bad joke let's move on <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay um And now uh, we move on to while developing. Yes, and that's usually the phase that most people neglect. Yeah, most most people stop at like once they hand off the design, they're like, "Here's everything, my perfect baby. I'm handing it to you. Please don't break it." <laughs> um, Soundboard. <laughs> um, and then it's just my leave. perfect baby. Please oh. don't break it. <laughs> And then you leave for a while um, uh, until the project ships and you're like, oh, my God. And then you start drinking. Um, <laughs> but um, I think it's important. Like, you don't want to be holding people's hand. Um, but I think like one, one of the things that we do here at Shopify um, is design reviews. So as a developer is implementing the designs, They're going to open like different pull requests, uh, which is like if you're not familiar with the GitHub lingo, uh, this is basically every time a developer works on a feature, uh, they create what they we call a pull request on GitHub. Um, and this is a way to basically check in code and be able to do reviews. Um, and a lot of the times those are code reviews to make sure that the code that has been written, uh, matches the, um, like writing guide guidelines that we have, um, and that it's the most like optimized as it can be, uh, and stuff like that. But one thing that we do here is we also do design reviews. So anytime, uh, someone implements a feature, We they have to ping a few designers to be able to review it and make sure that it's it um, matches the actual design 
um, that was given to them. So this is a good way for us to make sure that the quality stays up really high um, and that designers can have a say into uh, what actually goes out. Um, so there's there's no way like someone can just like sneak a little thing by me um, and then I realized that, oh God, like what is this uh, once the design launches? So I, I found it really helpful to be able to um, do that kind of uh, retro action step and be able to talk through with developers on uh, like, you know, that spacing here looks a little funny. <laughs> like, do you want to, do you want me to help you out with this? Like just so that we can figure out uh, how to get it perfectly right. And also just like pointing out how some things are different than um, on the actual mockups, I find that really helps because uh, a lot of developers just don't necessarily realize, they don't see it, that it's different uh, until you tell them. And once you tell them, often like they just can't unsee it. Um, yeah. So, and, and then once they, they're aware of this, they're not going to make the same mistakes again. So the next time they're going to see icons they're going to make sure that they're pixel fitted correctly uh and that they're not like upscaled for example um it's collaboration right it we're exchanging on uh like what we think the thing should be and trying to work together to produce a good outcome that's a uh, i love that those design reviews that sounds awesome i never had opportunity to work uh, with that with that thing uh, in place but uh, that that that's that sounds awesome Uh, but on the other hand, just try to cover every situation. I feel that not every company can afford that. Or it's like, you know what? I think that works best for a product company. Not really like individual product. Does that make sense? Mm, in what way? Like, um, I don't know, maybe a traditional uh, agency. Um, the design, like you are assigned to a project on design Uh, phase and mm -hmm. then you do that and then it hands off to the development team right and then you are assigned to maybe one or two other projects and then you can't really you don't have the time mm -hmm. to have weekly you know be attached to all the projects that are now in development phase yeah it works you know best mean? when the design and development teams are going to be working under the same company for example like if if basically an agency only hires you to do design Uh, mm -hmm. and then like you have no real relationship with the that as well, development yeah. team then it's kind of hard <laughs> to uh, put yeah but it's maybe like maybe uh, you know you you work you take like two to two to four weeks on the design thing mm -hmm. and maybe it takes like six months to develop it right mm -hmm. so that happens quite a lot so yeah. if you As a designer, still are involved in the whole de development process of every single project that you've worked. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm just saying that some some companies can't really afford this method, which sounds awesome. So if you can, I think this really works. Uh, if you don't, some other thing that you can do is well, be involved. Try to like <laughs> maybe uh, you make a break and and you walk over the developer desk and and just. You know, ask is everything okay? Can I help in any way? It just or or can I see? You don't want to be, you know, pain in the ass, but just like, hey, so how's the development of that? Can I can I take a look? Is is feature X uh, working? Like, be try to be involved, right? Mm -hmm. And not only 
when the product is launched, you <laughs> lay your eyes on it and see what have you done? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think even maybe to a for a, the a design perspective, that's maybe not the greatest idea to never even be able to try the the product you've been working on for so long before it's shipped. Yeah, because maybe you you try it and you realize it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> has happened to me like I, I try something i'm like ah you know what i thought this was a good idea but it really isn't um and then you you change the design to make it better um so if i mean if you're waiting until your stuff gets shipped then you kind of have a problem yeah but again i can see that in a lot of scenarios yeah and you know I don't know. Maybe some uh, freelancers do this, but maybe that's something you can work into your contract. Hmm. Saying like, you know what? Like as as part of the service that I do, maybe I'm going to spend, I don't know how many hours is going to be dedicated to design reviews. Hmm, that's a good one. And I'm just going to make sure that um, we have a really high quality in implementation uh, and that it's going to come out exactly the way that we want. And that's something that you can work with with your client. That could be doable. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, unless the the client is like a really bad project, the whole project is really bad, and then you are stuck to it. Uh, I can see that backfire, but that's a good. That's a interesting idea. Yeah. Well, uh, if we have any freelance uh, listeners, uh, and you want to try it out, I would love to see if this works. That's. Yeah, let us know. I'm in love with those design reviews things. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to do the design reviews for myself. With myself. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm coding something like, stop. Well, now it's I a mean, design review. Sometimes it's really good. I've been also, right now, I'm writing a few uh, style guide documents. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of an interesting process. It's, in a way, it's sort of a design review. It's like, okay, how do you explain how this thing should be used and how like it kind of forces you to have that external perspective on if I showed this to someone that's brand new, how would they see it? And sometimes you're like, huh, you know what? The reason why I'm using this different component here doesn't make a lot of sense if I'm trying to explain it. Um, so actually reviewing your own design can be a thing you can do. Like it's not everyone that's part of a big team that can do, uh, reviews with other, other designers or even developers. So maybe you review your own stuff and try to put your, (laughs) your reviewer hat on and be like, Hmm, what can, can be wrong with this and how can I improve this? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Most of the. Well, not most of the one of the the best results that I've had, like the most proud that I've been of some work that I've done, is actually uh, work that someone had previously worked on, like branding, and like gave me some components to to work with. Mm-hmm. Because if I if I go all the way and I don't do all those, like take a break and review what I have, yeah. it happened it happened more often than I would like it to have. <laughs> like in the end, I like I, I ended up with I don't know. 10 different textiles, maybe like three different uh, font right. sizes that really shouldn't be there, right? If you yeah. can stream all, like clean everything and, and kind of like when you are designing, give, okay, you have these components. This is the header. This is the header too. This is the body, right? <laughs> and <laughs> it don't have to go to those extremes, but yeah, like review everything. And 
there are a couple like websites that you can just type in the domain and it will go through the website and see like have you seen that like you have uh i don't know a thousand variables like declarations <laughs> or you have 200 colors i i, I read mm. this like for dropbox um was, i think with dan eden's talk somewhere where he right. went through and said you know what we are using like 30 different shades of blue which is should be the same is like for the same purpose mm. so let's just clean all that and use the same blue which it can happen it will happen especially if you are working on a project for like for long enough like too long um if the thing just drags in you that will happen like inconsistency so those those reviews sound like a great idea yeah and i think as you're designing you're kind of playing with different ideas um the maybe the like product product evolves as you're like exploring different different ways to tackle the problem so i i find that that's often where a lot of different variations are introduced Mm -hmm. and it's just that like if you then take a look back you're like oh well this new thing i designed is kind of really similar to that old pattern i designed three screens ago um so maybe it could be the same uh so just looking back i think well i i think in a way that's part of the normal design process yeah but especially if you do that then when you are maybe you know, finishing it off and maybe hand off to the developer. <laughs> yeah. Keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So one thing that's worth asking is, why does this happen? <laughs> like, why why is there like a difference in how um, kind of developers implement the work that we produce? Do, do you have like any thoughts on that? Like, do you know why that happens? I I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, no. Because they're stupid. Uh, no, 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 I'm going to cut this out. Hey, Steven. Soundbite. Uh, I just think the... Of course, please, uh, there are exceptions. Don't, don't let us know that. You know what? No, I have a developer friend and he doesn't do that. Um, I think the brain, how the brain works of someone who's very code oriented is kind of different from a designer in like i i I don't i don't think i don't want to believe that developers don't make the the mock-ups like the the thing pixel perfect perfect because they don't want to (laughs) right is that they are not sensible to stuff that we are right they are not aware it's because they don't care but maybe like you said before they don't even see it right so that I think that's why it happens, and they really focus, really focus on does this work? Does this, yeah, you know, checks off all of the requirements? Is this fast? You know, is my code clean and uh, reusable know, and readable? Right, or? yeah. So th- just don't be mad at them. Like, <laughs> oh man, I designed this with this font, and you use that one. Well, yeah, that's pretty major, actually. <laughs> you can be mad if they switch the fonts, but uh, well, if but they, uh, then like if you were to try to replace them in their job and imp- like implement something, you'd probably also do a shitty job, right? Like, yeah. So oh, yeah. I I think like it's worth taking the time to think about it and be aware that it takes a lot of time and effort and uh, 
to become a designer. Like it, it's not something that comes naturally. You have to train your eye to be able to see, um, appreciate good typography and see when like a spacing is wrong or uh, something can be improved. And that's not something that that's about like any random developer has. Um, so it's kind of part of your role to uh, teach them about these things. I think it's like explaining kind of your craft is also a big part of the work that we do, whether it's with clients or with your peers. Uh, I think it also extends to developers and no one's trying to make a shitty website, right? <laughs> like <laughs> no one wants to do a terrible job. Um, so that, that means we all need to kind of help each other out and, um, collaborate uh, if we want to do something great together realize that they are really focused on a lot of other things that you don't even thought of right mm. it's not really like on purpose <laughs> i hope if there is yeah that guy's a douchebag <laughs> uh but yeah and uh, you know what something that i kind of left out i uh, forgot to to mention before um something that helps a lot is in, because of this thing that We are talking about two types of uh, professionals that are very focused on different things. Something that really helps is to maybe create a, a workshop on like typography mm -hmm. for not just for developers, but for the company. Like, or maybe not just a workshop, like a like a little talk. Like, hey, maybe this week I'm going to just in 20 minutes explain the very fundamentals of of a grid. Or whatever, like or, or typography, right? Why is this important? What is the weight of a, of a font? What is this? Why does it matter? Yep. Just this type of things, like um, it's just sharing knowledge, and they will understand better why you care. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, um, or what actually you are talking about, like oh, so that's the difference between typography and a font. Uh, yeah, and I also think it goes both ways, like. You can't expect developers to care about design if you, you're not interested at all to learn more about development. Yeah, I think it's it's good that like to ask them how stuff works. Like, oh, you we can't do this. Why? Like how? What makes it more complicated? You also, I think it's important for you to learn how they see things and how what are their constraints and challenges in development so that you have that knowledge from now on when you're designing new things yeah it's only good for you it empowers you knowledge empowers people wow on that note i think i think we've reached the end we can't uh, i we think can't so stop this i think so so <laughs> so hopefully johnny we answered your question um I think I honestly think it was a great question and it's not an obvious thing and I don't think either of us have has had it like figured out yet it's working with people is kind of hard and difficult um but people are the worst but it also allows us to do things that we could never do on our own like even if you wanted to learn how to design and code and do all that sort of stuff there is just a limited amount of hours during a day and like working with people allows you to like bring in new ideas and use their expertise in a certain uh certain field um so 
I always think it's it's fun when a developer has like kind of this crazy idea of like this really neat uh, tech implementation and then use that uh, to create like an innovative design around it. Um, that can be super fun too. So mm-hmm. like you, d- you don't have to see that relationship as like, oh God, like I'm going to have to work with developers. It's going to be terrible. Like, no, this is a great opportunity for you to learn new things and try new ideas. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we end, we end the show, I had uh, one recommendation. Um, mm, okay. I've started, I'm almost halfway through. Um, I've been starting reading uh, Sprint by um, some uh, people at uh, Google Ventures. Uh, the author is uh, Jake Knapp, um, and it's quite good. Uh, it's about um, running design sprints to be able to solve problems and test new ideas. Um, and it's in like in grand total of five days, um, and it's a pretty interesting book. Um, and who knows, we might talk about it in a future show. So if you want to, if you want to check that out. Yeah. I've heard, uh, interesting stories from the guys at Google ventures, like some of their methods. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the those sprints, like five days are going to mock. You're basically going to go from idea to be able to test something at the end of these yeah. five days. Yeah. Which is really cool. cool. All right. So, um, so that's it. Uh, we're going to have, by the way, we're going to start probably probably the thing we're going to start doing from now on um we're gonna have like a after show so if you want to keep listening uh we're gonna talk about like some random stuff at the end <laughs> uh but uh if not if this just you just want to tune in for the topic of the day that's fair as well so yeah just to let you know the the show continues after the song right um so that said uh, you guys can find all the show notes and more information uh, about the podcast at layout.fm on the websites, uh, the internets. And uh, we're layout.fm on Twitter if you want to follow us there. Um, on the Twitter bio, we have like links for our own Twitter accounts if you want to do that as well and be extra awesome. And um, if you want to leave us some feedback, like drop us an email, uh, there's, a, there's a contact uh, button on our website. The link. some issues with their um, <laughs> April Fools this year right so uh, I, I guess uh, well let me know if the, if I got the story right all right so for their uh, April Fools prank whatever you want to call it yeah they've sent an email like to uh, every uh, Gmail customers 
announcing a new feature, which is a button. And I think because I don't use the web interface of Gmail, but I think it's like a button next to the send email where it's like drop the mic thing, which I think is if you if you reply to an email and hit the drop the mic thing, it will append a GIF in the in the in your email, and then you will not get any further like notifications on your inbox, like any replies to that email. Is that right? That's right. Um, so what it does is actually replace the send and archive button. Um, oh. And but the problem is, well, I haven't tried it myself, but it didn't seem like you get any feedback once you click the <laughs> the send plus okay. drop the mic button. So some people just thought like, oh, they made this like clever thing like to just replace the button and uh -huh. kept using it as is. Um, and then sent like important client emails with that, um, hit the drop the mic, which added <laughs> a gift to their, their emails. And because they, uh, Gmail then muted the responses to that email, <laughs> like you didn't get your angry client, uh, message, um, response to that email. So yeah. I heard you, some people even uh, lost jobs and clients because of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's serious. That's so stupid. I hate April Fools. Like the internet is useless this whole day. Yep, pretty much. I mean, anyway. some of them can be funny, like but I don't know. Like the um, have you seen the one for Mark Zuckerberg plus H and M? Oh, the <laughs> I've I've read a tweet about it and I didn't actually saw the page, but yeah, that one was pretty funny. <laughs> It's basically H&M like unveiling a new collection um, and it's based off of Mark Zuckerberg. So it's like jeans and a plain t-shirt. Um, right. And, like their tagline is one last thing to think about in the morning. <laughs> it's so perfect. Remember seeing that um, uh, Recodes or uh, I guess All Things D conference uh, when they interviewed Mark and, and he... Like he was sweating like crazy. <laughs> I well, this was like a couple of years ago, so he was still you know not the huge celebrities now, mm -hmm. right? It was still Facebook, even though it was pretty big, it was not as big as today. So he was like pretty nervous to be on stage, and he was sweating like crazy, and he was wearing this the, the classic T-shirt and hoodie. <laughs> so he was like taking off his hoodie because he was sweating. It was like probably like super hot <laughs> and. Mm -hmm. And um, he had, he then showed like the, the inside of the hoodie had like a cool branding Facebook thing, like super secret Facebook thing. <laughs> um, I remember seeing that like they, Kara Swisher and Walt Mossberg, uh, they made him like show the hoodie. <laughs> huh, interesting. No, I don't think I've ever seen it. So I just have this one thing. Uh, did you see the new Apple Music ad with Taylor Swift? I have, yeah. It's a good ad. Yeah, it's a it's a cool ad. It's a funny ad. Uh, longer than usual. Usually, these ads uh, run for thirty seconds. It was a minute. Yeah, they're probably gonna have a version of it that's cut to thirty seconds mm -hmm. as well. But so I I saw this originally through uh, Taylor Swift's uh, Twitter account. Mm -hmm. I guess it's still the only way we can see it. I think. 
I uh, anyway. Guess. Well, I saw it on Twitter, but I'm yeah, but I think like the 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 video, the only source you can watch it is on the embedded in the tweet from Taylor. Anyway, um, so I I was like in the morning, I I watched the video, and there's this one thing that made me really think that this was a April Fool's joke. Okay. Um, even though it looks very official. Uh-huh. Like a high production value and all. There's this one thing that like boggles my mind, and I can't really believe Apple would do this. Which is, so the video is she's on a treadmill, uh, Taylor, and she's like setting up some songs to you know it's jogging or whatever, yeah. some background uh, music, and so she goes on her iPhone and selects a playlist or whatever on Apple Music, and every tap that she uh, makes on the on the iPhone. You hear the keyboard sound effect, the clicking. Oh my god! Yes, I just noticed so it. like, oh, I'm gonna open Apple Music and you'll see the the little click. Yes. Oh, playlist. I was like, that's no, that's no, 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 that's not right. Oh my god! And I can gosh. see like this mistake in you know a lot of low production videos that we see everywhere. This is especially like on TV shows or movies. Like the if you holding notice, the phone upside down. <laughs> Yes, and 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 like talking on the phone and the screen is on. Yeah, it shouldn't. Or you see the but yeah, the, especially on TV shows, you see like every time they touch the screen, you hear the keyboard click, mm. the noise. So that's like I'm used to it, but not from Apple itself. So, man, that made me mad. Yeah, that's I don't know. That's weird. The um, do you think they use CG like for or? Probably like yes. a stunt double. I don't know. Uh, there's definitely something going on there. Well, first, I wouldn't. I don't believe Apple. Um, not Apple. Taylor would. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, make a stunt not. like that. So, but I, I can definitely see a cut there somewhere. But it's it's Taylor that uh, you know is on the floor. There's a yeah. There's a weird cut there. <laughs> it's really well done. So uh, about the Tesla, I I watched the uh, I watched the the keynote, the event, uh-huh. the presentation. Yeah. Whatever. I haven't had the time to watch it yet. It's actually pretty short. It's like 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's okay. But it's funny that... So I the only previous uh, Tesla presentation that I've seen was the uh, Model X, the, the the one with the Falcon wings. Mm-hmm. So it was the, the last one before yeah. this one. Uh, and it was pretty cool. I really liked it. It was, it was way longer than this one. This sounded yeah. like, you know, it's a WWDC style versus... No, Apple Campus, smaller things. Right. It's like, uh, yeah, different in, in, in style. Mm-hmm. So this one, it's funny that, you know, Elon Musk has been doing this for a while now, and it still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, but sucks not in a this is terrible way, more it sucks as in, like, this is adorable. He's like, <laughs> he is super awkward on stage. Right. Um He's a terrible presenter, but but, <laughs> but he has <laughs> so. but yeah he has this charisma right that you, you know you still get drawn to it mm-hmm. like so I all all this like I'm saying he's a terrible presenter and all but I don't want them to replace him I still want right. to see it I feel see like him it, on stage maybe but, a lack of preparation a little bit uh, you, know, you see I don't think so no? I don't think preparation will solve this it's it's more of a genuine it's not even nerves it's like he's really just awkward I I bet right. that he is like that well maybe a little bit toned down but 
he's kind of like that in real life, just like socially, maybe. Mm -hmm. I, I want to believe that. So that's just the way he is talking to people, especially <laughs> millions of them. So I don't know. It was pretty. <laughs> It's pretty entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see like the different companies' style when doing these presentations. Mo mm -hmm. Like most of them, obviously, do try to copy Apple, but it's actually quite hard to do. Like it's the same thing. You can't uh, copy charisma, and yeah, that's why no one, no one could ever get even close to Steve Jobs. Not even you know people currently in Apple, like uh, even Phil Schiller. I think is, is pretty pretty good presenter, but. Nothing really tops that uh, charisma that you you can't mimic that. It's just like it's in you. You either have it or not. But you know what? Um, I love the the style of the slides, like the the videos mm -hmm. yeah. of Teslas, and that's one thing that I actually feel that Apple is pretty uh, it's pretty behind in a way. Like uh, you know, when it's Google I/O, uh, even Microsoft and uh, at their conferences, the keynotes. They have like these huge um, screens. Uh, I think it was Google I.O. had like 360 ones in a way. Yeah, Google I.O. is just like a giant production. Yeah, yeah. The, the slides and everything are beautiful. So like production values of the event itself, like in a spectacle way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think Apple is getting, you know, basically it's the same style that it always had. One, uh, not even widescreen screen behind the <laughs> presenter and that's that's it i think that's like four by three i mean yeah the the aspect ratio feels a bit <laughs> which old. is i think it's still a keynote the default keynote template <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it does feel a bit a bit old yeah i think there it could be due for a bit of a refresh there but i guess if apple did like a 360 uh, 360 is annoying because you have to yeah. like look around it's it's the same thing for 360 youtube videos and it's like oh that's really cool like i watched the the verge did one on uh, michelle obama and right, like her right. social media pr presence but it's like do you really want to be like looking around the room and like turning around while you're watching a video because something's happening behind you like i don't know i think good ones is you don't have to but if you do it's cool mm-hmm like the Michelle Obama zone. If you are just facing straight, like forward, you can still enjoy and get all of the, like you're not missing really nothing, like anything. You, only if you want to see the camera crew and people behind you, maybe that's... <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? People, new technologies, people will always go overboard. And I guess uh, VR and AR things are the new thing, shiny thing. Mm -hmm. So people will go... It's like animations. What? We can do animations. Everything is a spring <laughs> for like a bunch of <laughs> like a bunch of years. So, but yeah, uh, going back to the Tesla. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need it, but I totally want this car. Yeah, I'm so I have a car, but it's the, you know, the ones that are bad for the environment one, old ones. <laughs> uh, so like I want a Tesla and I, I really think like the next car I'm going to buy is definitely it's going to be a Tesla, either that or something very similar mm -hmm. that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I'm not in the market. Like I'm not going to buy a car in the next foreseeable future. Like uh, right. it's not in my plans. But if I do, this is probably going to be the one. Oh, not this one, but just like Tesla in general. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like it's 
it's one of those like the most obvious things that this is the future right yeah have you it's read like, it's so obvious <laughs> yeah have you read the uh wait but why piece on tesla i don't think so you should read that if if you have like you need a couple hours <laughs> um we'll be right back but it's absolutely amazing it goes through like all the history of like why do we end up with gas-powered cars why it's terrible for the environment and why like the like tesla's approach is like the pretty much the best way forward um mm -hmm. and it's a fascinating article it's it, like really literally made me want to like get rid of my car and buy a tesla um so yeah i don't know i I really like it. There's a couple of things though about it that are kind of weird. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really not sold on the front. Yeah, I think that the two most uh, controversial things mm -hmm. is the, yeah the front of the car and the dashboard, which is not a dashboard. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the screen. <laughs> or the two the, things, the... two things on my list that are kind of odd. Um, yeah. So. I don't, I don't, I don't have much to say. The front looks weird, and that's it. But I, I don't think it's like this. Uh, it wouldn't stop me from buying it because of this front. It's like it's just weird. But in a way, it makes sense. Like, so this is uh, the problem with podcasts. But <laughs> so usually at the the front of the car, you have like a, the grill, like the yeah, uh, usually black or in just like a, a grill, uh, and that's for air ventilation, I assume. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a car expert, if you can <laughs> tell yet. So on this Model S, it's like, it's still the aluminum or whatever material. They, <laughs> definitely not aluminum. It's still the, the metal. It continues to, to cover all that. They still have a very small uh, grill in the bottom, but it's like, it looks weird. So usually we associate like the face of the car with like, so you have the headlights, which is like the eyes, and then you have the mouth. Right, we have this picture in our brains of how the front of a car looks like. Yep, you have the grill, black grill in the middle, which is the mouth, and then you have the eyes. So this looks like the mouth is uh, it's like closed it's down. Have you seen? I saw, <laughs> I saw a tweet of someone saying like, "Oh, so this is what the Model S reminds me of." It is a screen cap, like a screenshot of the Matrix. You remember that part when? Yeah, Agent Smith, uh, the Neo's mouth starts melting and glued all together. <laughs> that's what that's what this looks like. Yep. So I don't know. Like I, I do agree that if you don't need a grill, you don't have to put one. Like I, I feel like this is where cars are going, and this is something that is specific to this type of car. But the way mm. the car body is shaped it makes you feel like they just haven't cut the hole yet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they, cause they could have like rounded out the car and not have like the, the weird space where like there should be a grill mm -hmm. could have just like rounded all of that out to like the bottom part. And I, yeah, it looks like it, it, it looks like they sculptured this with, with the grill on in mind. Yeah. But then didn't add it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it looks odd. Yeah. What about the the dashboard? Or so that the, weird the thing? dashboard is like imagine a uh, twelve point nine inch iPad Pro. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. In the, that is basically in the middle uh, where the console is. 
Um, yeah. And, there's and it's not like built in the cockpit. It's like suspended yeah. with like an arm mount or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's, there's a TV mounted in your car. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But that's it. Like there's no, there's no dashboard. There's no nothing. It looks really awesome, to be honest. I, I I don't I don't like this. Just from from a visual standpoint. Yeah, that's the standpoint where I'm <laughs> talking from. I think it looks clean and futuristic, but I really don't want to be using this while I'm driving. I mean, in a just a visual standpoint, I think this looks weird. This looks I don't like it. It's like it's like an afterthought. Like oh shit, we need to put the <laughs> display there somewhere. I'll just mount it. It's like it's not part of the cockpit. It's not like part of the car. It's like an, an external accessory in a way, right? It's like it's the difference of yeah. having an iMac with a built-in iSight camera or the old ones where you have to mount physically mount the webcam on top of the monitor. <laughs> Remember those? Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like, it's not built into the car. It's like an afterthought, which it definitely isn't. But that's how it looks like for me <laughs> i was just i was just trying to look up um like better pictures on the verge and there's an article that says why is it is the tesla model 3's dashboard so weird yeah i mean that's yeah that's the most controversial thing when you look inside of the car which because it's so minimalistic like everything is like white yeah <laughs> Um, and then this really stands out, but but I just think like in terms of affordances, like you can't really use a touchscreen while you're driving. Like you can't put your because when in a normal car, uh, let's say you want to like raise the volume or something like that, you just have to find the dial with your hands. Like you don't even have to look, and then you just turn, and you can still look ahead. But this is like you need so much precision to like hit any action i find that it's probably going to be very dangerous but it's the same with model s and model x yeah they sure. still have they have the touch screen yeah which like, I, i've never used any of those so <laughs> maybe it's fine in practice but we should ask marco but pick a good playlist because we're not stopping <laughs> like i can't change the songs while i'm driving honestly i i don't mind that much the like ipad sticking out thing but if you what yeah if you watch the keynote this uh, i really couldn't tell if this was like a like an excuse or just like try to justify this design or if it was like a real thing that they had to keep in mind but like apparently they have the cockpit like it is because they had to push the hole inside a little bit to the front to get more space to you know have five people comfortable inside so if if you if you if you notice like the it appears that the driver is pretty close to the windshield like it's you know it, there's not a big gap so mm. there's really they couldn't have like a big space just for the dashboard so i guess they have to push the whole interior to the front and maybe that's why they had to put the dashboard like it is like they have to stick it out i don't know yeah i don't know that's a good question they they changed the aspect ratio like it used mm-hmm. to be uh, portrait, now it's landscape. Well, I guess the ratio is the same. Yeah, well, just orientation. Yeah, orientation. That's what I meant. Right. But yeah, I don't know. It's a it's an interesting car. I I would love to be able to spend some time with it, like just from a UI perspective and like how everything works. Yeah, I think that'd be fascinating. They still don't sell it here in Portugal, so I can't even like test drive it. Right. 
Yeah, they they do sell them here, but it'll take like two years before they they're actually on the roads. So I mean, who knows? Right. It's a great looking car, though. I like it better better than the um, the other Model S. I think it's classier. There was a big sedan, like it's the other one feels car. a bit tackier. Like it's really trying to be like a normal car. It's just like a huge car. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. It's 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 it's. I don't want to say it's for older people, but it's for it's a more adult car. This is more a sportsy, cool city car. Yeah. Well, even this one is like quite big. I think it's hard to tell from the yeah, screenshots, but it looks a bit big. Well, in my defense, I don't say it's not a link. I say it's both. Happy both a link and a button. A lunken. Lunkton. You're you're so wrong. A bink. <laughs> a bink. Anyway. <laughs> oh my god. All okay. right. Okay. Let's end this. I'll thing. see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.